in World War I, Christmas arrived right in the midst of an intense global battle. Life in the trenches was brutal and gruesome. I read many stories that um, made me ill to recall what, what happened a little over 100 years ago. New technologies such as tanks as well as mustard gas had advanced uh, military capabilities to kill even more efficiently and more painfully. But against this backdrop, individuals chose peace. Uh, I was reading some articles in this magazine, Christian Standard, which, by the way, our very own Justin Horry is published in on this uh, edition, and it's pretty cool. He, he does something with them on a regular basis. Um, but the, the story that I read in here was pretty powerful by a guy by the name of B.J. Krug. And uh, he's known as a storyteller, and the story that he wrote in here is entitled Silent Night. And uh, he writes about something very amazing. Early in that war, uh, during December of 1914, just a few months earlier is when, the, when World War I started, he says, many German and British soldiers took peace into their own hands. Uh, Krug writes in here that according to many soldiers on both sides of the war, on Christmas Eve, the shooting stopped along many sections of the Western Front. Uh, a lone German voice broke out singing, Still not, Heilig not. And soldiers were reminded on both sides that it was a silent night, a holy night. That song had been written almost 100 years before World War I, right after and kind of during the Napoleonic Wars. And it became famous. It was first performed on Christmas Eve and even to the point that in the United States, we got it somewhere around in the 1830s, 1840s, and it became a classic for us. And so when this lone German soldier started singing this song, the Americans didn't know the words, but they knew the tune. And uh, something pretty cool happened. It was a, a night for brothers even if they had realized that they were not yet brothers before. On Christmas Eve, the British soldiers joined in the song in English, and they sang and played carols to each other across the destroyed no-man's land. If you know that just piece of desolation where uh, one side would try to go and they'd get shot down, and the other side would try to go and take it, and they'd get shot down. So you had dead bodies all laying in between there. But it says they finding that they knew the same songs even if the lyrics were in different languages. And early on Christmas Day, German soldiers walked across that scarred landscape, unarmed, 
and shouting Merry Christmas to their enemies. Now, the Allied soldiers, the British, they were a little distrustful. And so uh, they kind of crawled out of their trenches at first and then joined them. And then before long, they started shaking hands. They were even exchanging gifts of cigarettes and plum pudding. And then they sang Christmas carols together. History.com says that there's even recorded that there was a soccer game that took place on that day in no man's land. And uh, some great stories in this magazine. Justin's was one of them in which he compiled some answers of others that were an encouragement to me as a pastor when questions were asked, how do you do during the Christmas season. It was something that I needed to be reminded of and that I was challenged with. But unfortunately on that day, the Christmas truce was uh, never repeated. And unfortunately, the officers on both sides uh, made sure that it wouldn't happen again because they threatened. The British officers threatened their men and the German officers threatened their men. And uh, so, there wasn't peace anymore. And on the next day, the battle resumed. But on that special day, enemies placed their shared humanity before their grievances. And they experienced the Christmas spirit of peace in a truly powerful way. I mean, can you imagine? That must have been quite a sight. I mean, really quite a sight to see those enemy soldiers sharing Christmas peace. In a similar way, God's peace can fill you and I and rule within us even when we're surrounded by death and evil. God's presence and peace can pierce even dark and painful surroundings and circumstances, including any war or any emotional valley that we might find ourselves in today. Christmas is typically and, and rightfully thought of as a season of joy, but it can be a painful season for many people. And maybe you're one of them. Uh, the question I ask, what battles do you face today? What pain is relentlessly bombarding you as you hunker down in the trenches of your life? What darkness just haunts you even under the twinkling lights, the candles, and the decorations? We may not be able to end, you know, our physical or our personal or our psychological or our emotional or even our cultural wars that we're fighting this holiday season. But even in those darkest places, we can lean into the God who is with us. Today, as we continue um, our Advent uh, just journey toward Christmas, we're focusing in on and celebrating peace. 
the peace that is brought, it's been brought into the world by Emmanuel, God with us. And my hope is that today each of us will experience the comfort of Jesus' peace deep within our souls. If you've been journeying with us for the past three weeks uh, during this time that we're moving toward Christmas, you know that we've been celebrating Advent. And for those of you who haven't been with us, that's what we've been doing. You can see uh, as we've got on the wall hanging, we've talked about hope and love and joy, and today is peace. And uh, the word Advent just means a coming or an arrival. And uh, that season is marked with expectation, with awaiting, anticipation. For those of you who have young kids, just think about how much they are anticipating opening presents for some on Christmas Eve tomorrow, for others on Christmas Day. I mean, there's an expectation, there's an excitement. I tell you, I was so excited when I was a boy um, that there was times that I opened my presents early. (laughs) I'd say, Mom, you didn't. You didn't hear that, but she knew that. Not at the time, of course, but my mom was the kind who would wrap presents with about two rolls of tape, (laughs) right? So you have to understand how difficult it was to get through all that tape and then to make sure, because I was sure my mom counted each piece of tape. So when I would cut through those and open up and try to get on in, and then when I put it back together, I'd put a new piece of tape over it because that way I, I, I know exactly where to go. And I figured if my mom knew that I put another piece of tape over the other tape, when the package I rewrapped, then I was like, okay, there, there's nothing I can do about that. Nothing I can do about that at all. But uh, Advent's not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing. Just think about that. The longing for the coming of the Messiah to celebrate his birth and to be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ's coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation of the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns again for his people. During Advent, we both, we, we wait for both. It's an active and an assured and hopeful waiting And each week, we focus on a different attribute of God attributed in the coming of Jesus. Hope, love, joy, and peace. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the embodiment of these traits who has entered our world and who fills us with them all. I'm going to start off with the shepherds. The shepherds in the Christmas story, they, they often get a bad rap. But when we talk about these shepherds, it's it's where we're going to focus in on how peace is restored. They're presented as outcasts, uh, a dirty, unruly group that was at the bottom of the rung of society. And and that they were. 
I mean, they were considered so low that, that their testimony would not be used in any court because they could not be trusted. And um, some scholars, though, have believed that they're not so unrespectable, and they count on the fact because of the Old Testament, um, shepherds at one point held a very high position in Israel's history. And all you have to do is, is think about some of the, the great patriarchs of the faith. These men were shepherds, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even King David. And so there's some scholars that say, wait a minute, don't be looking at these shepherds so poorly, so horribly. But in their time, they were. I mean, I don't even know if you could consider them outcasts. But whether or not, you know, uh, however you, you fit on that, they were a total motley crew, the profession had undeniably fallen in esteem since the days of the patriarchs. That I think everybody can agree on. And they were definitely uh, considered a lower social class. They held a very menial vocation that involved hard labor in the elements and physical work with the animals. Stinky animals. You filthy animals. Okay, sorry. It's safe to say that a shepherd wasn't what uh, mamas dreamed their boys would grow up to be, okay? Uh, they were a pretty lowly bunch. And at the other end of the spectrum in Israel, um, we have the religious leaders of the day. Smug in their moral goodness and high positions of power, they made sure that everyone else knew their place in the caste system. Pharisees and Sadducees and the like were at the top and everyone else below in descending order. They kept themselves lifted up by putting everyone else down. Do you know people like that? Unfortunately, I do. It's not fun to be around them, is it? The only way they can elevate themselves is by tearing others down. That's the picture we get with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They believed that they were the ones with a direct line to God and his purpose for everyone else's lives. You know, there's been people who've come up to me and say, you know, Craig, God's told me to tell you this. You know, Craig, I think you should do this. And, you know, it's like, um, in other words, you've heard that, you know, uh, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life, you know, kind of thing. Not so much God but the person who's talking to you. It's uh, what I think of with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So in this hierarchy, shepherds weren't exactly accustomed to being contacted by angelic beings. They didn't expect direct messages from God through celestial representatives of light. Imagine their surprise on that star-filled night in the outskirts of Bethlehem when the brightest star in the sky dimmed and then the whole dark expanse began to glow with the brilliant light of an angel of the Lord. Luke describes the scene in, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And he uh, 
describes it in this way. Says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I mean, what was going on here? And then, as if a vision of an angel wasn't enough, the glowing guy spoke to the shepherds. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think I'd just be just a little kind of freaked out. Just a little. This didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Verses 10, 11, and 12. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Unbelievable. Or if I can quote from my favorite movie, Vicini, inconceivable in Princess Bride. I mean, it really is. That fits Absolutely perfectly there. Inconceivable. But there's more, literally more, because there's more angels that show up. Look at verses 13 and 14. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. The words were almost more unbelievable than the messengers themselves. The angels were making a proclamation of peace to those on whom God favors. And they were making it to the shepherds? Can you imagine maybe the confusion and the doubts that were probably going through the shepherds' heads? <laughs> I mean, wait, I, I, I think you got the wrong guys here. You know, we're not high up on the ladder. We're the low guys on the totem pole. But, but then again, gosh, angels don't make mistakes. So I, I guess that's us. God, God's, God's favor is, is on us. And his peace is with us? Seriously? I can only imagine what's going through their minds. Maybe, maybe because that's what I think would be going through my mind. And I'm just projecting. This was completely out of the ordinary. This wasn't supposed to happen to shepherds. Supernatural encounters with God's messengers and promises of blessing and favor didn't come to shepherds. Those were reserved for the super spiritual people, the super spiritual religious leaders of the day. But like much of Jesus' coming, this announcement didn't fit the mold of expectations, right? I mean, I love the fact that he breaks all the molds. And ironically, the religious elites are conspicuously absent 
think about that. They are absent from this incredible thing that just take place. They're absent from the announcement of the Savior. It's just like God, isn't it? <laughs> Those considered by society to be the most holy weren't given a place in the stable to even kneel on holy ground and witness the arrival of the Messiah. The announcement to the shepherds that God had come to be with us and the birth of the Messiah turned the current system upside down. It turned it on its head. It reminded people and it reminds us today that God's favor is not based on human standards. His favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness and accept the gifts of hope Love, joy, and peace that only Jesus can bring. The angels appeared to shepherds. The shepherds received the announcement of the good news, and then they became the, the message bearers of peace. In three short steps, they had come full circle as Jesus' arrival meant a kind of restoration to the roles of shepherds. In fact, throughout his teaching, Jesus used uh, shepherds as an example of good things, not bad. In fact, it's pretty great that uh, Jesus, Jesus even went so far as to call himself the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18, who loves and cares for his sheep and who lays down his life for his sheep. That restoration of wholeness and oneness with God is the essence of peace. It's the, the comforting knowledge that all is well and as it should be, it brings peace of mind and heart. Jesus' arrival for the shepherds marked the starting place of peace to all those on whom his favor rests. To all those with whom he is present. And that includes you and I. The God of peace is truly with us. And peace is not based on class or position or occupation, but on his purpose and his design to bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Glory to God in the highest. The Prince of Peace has come. And on this final Sunday of Advent, uh, we're going to explore together what that means and it looks like throughout history and in our own lives today. You know, the peace of wholeness. Wholeness. Way back in history, as recorded in the Old Testament, when God gave the law to Moses uh, and set up the roles and duties of the priests to guide the spiritual life of the ancient Jews, he gave them this ultimate blessing, which is uh, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's in Numbers chapter 6, and verse 24 through 26. And uh, God gave the ultimate blessing to the Jews. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine 
upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Great blessing. And that Hebrew word in that blessing that's used throughout, and and it's used over 215 times in the Old Testament, is the word shalom. We've heard that. Shalom. And uh, it conveys a rich and powerful meaning. So much more than just the absence of fighting. Shalom reflects safety. Shalom reflects completeness. Shalom reflects wholeness. You know, I, I was trying to think of a best way to illustrate that, and, and I was going to bring my Jenga game. But uh, I didn't want to go and spend a lot of money to get the big, you know, six-foot-tall Jenga. But, um, you know, with Jenga, you're supposed to take those pieces out and see who can be the last one to take the piece out and leave it standing, right? Well, think of just the opposite of what shalom is. Think if you were starting with this Jenga and and you see holes in there, but your job was to be able to fill those holes in until you have a complete solidness with with nothing missing. They would use this uh, term in the Old Testament when they were talking about rebuilding the wall. Because when Nehemiah came and rebuilt the wall, it was in utter destruction. And when they rebuilt it, they rebuilt shalom completeness, unity. For modern day terms, instead of Jenga, uh, you'd probably think of Legos. Only man, with Legos, there's, you know, 3,000 pieces to go with those little boogers, and man, I, <laughs> that's just kind of, I have no more patience for that anymore. My eyes are a little too shot to kind of be dealing with that, and besides, it hurts when they fall on the ground and you don't see them and you step on them, right? Can I get an Amen. Amen. And that's, that's what's going on here. But uh, it's a type of peace that, that it's brought by God with us. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom, foretold by the prophet Isaiah. Uh, you know, Justin and Sarah led us in that, that, that passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 are in your bulletin, where it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The Jews of Jesus' day wanted a Messiah to establish political justice against their oppressors. After all, they lived under the iron rule of the Roman Empire. And it wasn't by choice. They were a conquered people at the mercy of a powerful military empire. But the Jews also understood and longed for shalom. The concept was foundational to their culture and spiritual life. And this completeness and wholeness with God is what Jesus brought into and left with us in our world. It's the peace that calms our souls deeply 
It's the calm acceptance that it is well with my soul. No matter what swirls and storms around me. This is the peace we celebrate today. And when Jesus returns one day, he will heal all that's been broken and restore God's complete kingdom of shalom. We live in a world that is broken and is fractured. But we await when Jesus comes back and he brings that shalom, that completeness that connectedness back. There will be the absence of war and hatred, but even that type of peace will be an extension of the wholeness that he will establish. We need to remember that peace is a person. Near the end of Jesus' life, he, he spoke these words to his disciples shortly just very shortly before he was arrested and crucified. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, so Jesus knew his followers were about to experience a crushing blow. He knew that they were like not going to be able to, to handle the fact that he had to accomplish his mission through dying. But he had a gift for them that was different than anything in our world. His peace is not given as the world gives it. It's not a gift that can be taken away, nor is it something that we can create on our own. Peace is not the absence of pain, hurt, noise, violence, or uncertainty. Peace is a person. Peace is Jesus with us, the Prince of Peace. And his assurance to the disciples was that even what would appear to be the most hopeless of situations he would be with them. His peace is his presence with us no matter what our circumstances are. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, for he himself is our peace. And we experience God's presence. We become interwoven in and in, inseparable from the peace that he is and the peace that he gives to us. You can't separate them out. Paul went on to say, he who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. God with us brings peace between us and God, but he also brings peace among people because we're all drawn together and unified in God through Jesus. This is the perfect picture of shalom, wholeness, safety, safety, 
and the restoration of all people as one. Jesus' peace is not simply that we agree to disagree. It's that in him we are made one. In wholeness, we are reconciled to God and to others in Jesus. Listen, I have struggled at times in my uh, faith where I have not had peace with others. Others who aren't believers and others who are believers. It's not a fun place to be at. This inner turmoil, this recognizing that I am to love all people and even to the extremes of love my enemies and I'm not even following through with what Jesus says, this is how the world's gonna know us by our love for one another. And I'm struggling loving other Christians. I, I hate admitting that. I, I wish I was above that. I wish I was better than that. But I have fallen into that trap. And the only thing that helps get me back out is when I'm reminded and meditated on what Jesus has done for me. He has brought peace and reconciliation to me. And how can I not do that for others? You know, um, that happens within families. That happens with friends. That happens in any place that you have relationships. And so today, if you're wrestling with any of that, I, I, I'm just going to encourage you. You know what? You can, you can still hold on to it. But then you're not going to be experiencing this peace that Jesus came to give. You're not going to be getting peace from him. You're going to be trying to do it on your own. And that's not what it's all about. Peace transforms us. And it calms our storms. How peaceful is your Christmas season? Just going to ask. If we're honest, uh, we might choose words like busy. I find I say that an awful lot. Hey, Craig, how you doing? I'm good. I'm just busy. You know, and pretty soon I'm like, wow, I've said that probably 20 times today. Or words like hectic or frantic to describe uh, our lives this time of year. Sometimes it's all year long, right? We're, we're in a constant, just frantic, moving, going on. And uh, maybe it's an overloaded schedule that robs you of peace. Or maybe it's something more. Maybe it's a relational conflict that I shared, or pressure at work, or a lost job, or an illness. I've been um, praying for a number of people in our church um, with lost jobs. Praying for a number of people in our church who are battling illness of all types. You name it. For many of us, peace sounds like a long way away. Sounds like, oh man, that's a good idea. It's a nice thought for the holidays. Man, that's something I really long for, Craig. If only we could feel the peace of God with us, right? 
if, if this is where you find yourself today, I just, I, I want to encourage you that, that Jesus shows up when the storms of life <laughs> threaten our peace and our hope and our joy. He is there with us when love seems lost and the way forward is totally unclear. Hey, even the disciples who lived with Jesus every day had a hard time grasping this. Remember the story when, when they're out on the boat in the Sea of Galilee? And it must have been a bad storm day on the water. And even though that was like their, their hometown, you know, a sea, if anybody knew that sea, they did. I mean, after all, they were fishermen. And that was their regular fishing spot. And yet, as the boat took on water, they were terrified absolutely terrified and as the waves rose and as that wind howled they just panicked but guess what Jesus slept through it all scripture tells us and finally the, the disciples they, they couldn't take it anymore I mean they were so scared so what they do they shouted don't you care what happens to us but I want you to notice what what Mark recorded in Mark chapter 4 Verses 37 through 39. It says, and a, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat onto the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Cooper translation, don't you care we're going to die? It says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. With just a command for peace from Jesus, the storm calmed and the sea turned tranquil as we read that story. The disciples were in awe, and for a very, very good reason. Those disciples, they sound like us, don't they? I mean, man, when things aren't looking good for us, we're often quick to cry out, God, don't you care? I know I have on more than one occasion. We think he's not paying attention or doesn't realize the magnitude of our situation. Imagine that. God doesn't understand the magnitude of our situation. I know. The irony out of it. And yet we add to the spiral of our own storm. We even make it greater than what it really is. But just remember this. The reality is that God is there. He is God with us. He's present. Always present. And he knows all that swirls around and within us. He sees beyond the waves and winds and the tempest storms of our circumstances. The power of his peace isn't diminished by our storms. We can allow it to fill our hearts with calm and courage as we turn to him, giving our requests to him in prayer and focusing on his faithfulness. You know, this week, I, I struggled with this message. 
And one of the reasons why I, I, the conclusion that I've come to, and I, I believe it's so accurate, is um, I, I did not spend a lot of time in prayer over it. There's a time when you might feel like I've done a, a message that's flopped, but I felt really good because I know it's been prayed over. And this week, I had to look, you know, why, why am I struggling with anxiousness? And it's like, I didn't spend the time to pray over this. So it reminded me, what are the other things that I haven't been spending the time praying over? Giving to God. Trusting Him in my storm. And allowing Him to be my peace. Allowing Him to give me peace. God with us will never leave us. He will never fail. And it's in this presence of peace that we celebrate on our journey toward Christmas. And it's in this presence of peace that we can access and, and practice. How? Well, when we come to God through prayer, he changes us on the inside. See, a lot of times I, I'm, I'm more focused on the externals. And I'm forgetting that anything that I am, it's from the inside. It's from my time with God. And when that is lacking, I might be able to fool people on the outside, but it's not going to be very long. I believe that's one of the main reasons why you see so many uh, pastors and leaders fall because they've been looking good on the outside, but they've allowed the inside to just go by the wayside. It scares me. God's peace is able to bring a powerful transformation in our spirits. No matter what we're anxious or worried about, we can bring our needs and requests to God. And Paul described it, uh, the process like this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation by what? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I want that peace of God because it does transcend all understanding. I can't fathom it. Why? Because it's, it's who Jesus is. It's what he gives and as we talk to him and give him thanks, God's peace swells within us and he guards our emotions. And this is a miraculous peace, one that transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense given the worry and fear we're facing. It wouldn't actually exist in the midst of our struggles, but this is God we're dealing with here, folks. This is our Prince of Peace the giver of shalom, the giver of his spirit of peace. And when we come close to him, when we go to worship him, 
like those shepherds did. We connect with him. And you know what? He transforms us. And he also transforms our outlook. No matter, no matter how bad the sw- that storm may be swirling around and within you, he can calm it and he can carry through it. I just want to encourage you with that. In, in two days, we celebrate Christmas morning. Tomorrow, we're going to be celebrating Christmas Eve. Very night, you know, talking about here. And uh, you may find him as a babe lying in a manger or a carpenter's son asleep in a boat. It may even initially seem to you as it did to the disciples that he doesn't even care about you or what's going on. But in the midst of whatever life holds this week, this day, Remember that Jesus comes in the power as the Prince of Peace in direct opposition to the Prince of Darkness. He is always with us, restoring us to God through wholeness and comfort. So my hope is that he be your peace this week, that he'll be guarding your soul with peace, filling your spirit with the wholeness, the completeness of shalom and ruling as that prince of peace in your heart. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much that you are our peace We can't earn it. We can't gain favor for it. All we can do is accept it and put our faith in the only one who is and gives peace. The only one who can calm our hearts no matter what storm we may be in. And who can bring peace in the midst of any battle that we may be facing. I praise you and thank you for the truth of who you are, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.